Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 12.33 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Interesting, there's some reports the Washington Capitals are up to something, but it may not actually take place. Devontae Smith-Kelly uh, Smith was placed on waivers yesterday. Uh, I can't take that call, and I thought I had the volume down on that. Uh, or Devontae Smith-Pelly was just placed on waivers this morning. It was originally reported that a different uh, player. Who's the guy that was with St. Louis, played for Hitch? Big uh, Czech kid. Well, you can look it up. Just go to Washington's. Uh, I forgot the name of the guy. Was and that Yaskin? Dimitri yeah, Yaskin? Dimitri okay. Yaskin. Somebody tweeted me saying, in fact, he did not go on waivers. It was not him right. that was on waivers. Right. It ended up being Devontae Smith-Pelly. But now I'm being told that the Capitals might have a deal, but the deal might not take place until tomorrow, which leads me to believe that maybe the Capitals have something pending a possible move with Devontae Smith. Why that would be the case, I'm not quite sure, but who knows. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Hey, we finally settled up with John Shannon. We'll hear from him at 1 o'clock as well. i got to get some Roos Chris over to Craig Simpson as well. As I mentioned, greatest steak you've ever had. Follow Sizzle to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff that Oilers now sent you. Roos Chris, make February... 20th, your Valentine's Day, if you know what I mean. You ever done that before? I know I have. Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers joins us right now. Hello, Craig. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Pretty good, I guess. I mean, the team that I'm doing color for has won one of their last 12 games, but they've actually played okay, which makes it, you know, frustrating, right? By the way, do you watch any of those... uh, those comedy shows or yeah, Dean Martin, Dean Martin roasts were great. They were uh, some of my favorite. Uh, I, I, you know, every now and then you get stuck in a hotel room yes. late at night watching old TV, and a couple would be on, or there's those selling the CDs for them. But I heard you before. Don Rickles was legendary for those. He he was fantastic. Um, I got two guys. Milton Berle was always sort of deadpan, funny. Uh, good on those, and another that I uh, had the uh, lucky to, to meet and have at my charity event in London, Ontario, was Foster Brooks, and uh, Foster, who could bring on a you know intoxicated uh, yes. rant with the best of them, and we had him for my event, and I spent a limo ride over uh, with him going to the event and just uh, amazing how he could be totally fine and then just be in a stupor and be uh, hilariously funny. So now, he's a guy uh, that I remembered as and, well. And we should we should clarify for everybody listening, like this was his shtick. His shtick was he played the obnoxious he played the obnoxious drunk comic, right? And it was yeah. funny, funny stuff. So. And you'd be talking to him as a totally normal person and he would boom, get right into it like he was 10 sheets to the wind. And he, he was a pretty talented guy. And 
Yeah, those were classic. Those were a lot of fun. So you spent a little bit of time in Los Angeles. I mean, you were in L.A. when Wayne got traded there, uh, sold there. Uh, yeah, you and, and you and, lived there for two years. Right. For, worked for Fox. Yeah. When you worked with Fox and Don Metz kind of assisted, I think, a little bit in helping you transition on that regard. Did you come across uh, any, any of those sort of, not, like, jeez, uh, I'm trying to think of when John, you must have known John Candy, right? I uh, never got to meet John Candy. No, uh, didn't uh, get in around there. But no, definitely had, you know, the opportunity to go see a number of things. I, I mean, I went to the one uh, comedy shop there with uh, saw Andrew Dice Clay, which is a time ago. Talk about a guy that wasn't politically uh, correct. But no, there's some great uh, comedians. And I guess at this point, uh, Bob, you need a little comedy to levitate things a little bit. Right? Well, you know, it is, and I get it, and there's lots of heat, and we'll take some of that heat coming. I mean, it. it we're at the stage here where... I think the frustration, the fans aren't stupid, right? They know, the, number one, they, like the fans here are knowledgeable. They know the game. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there that think they could manage or coach. I get that. Um, and But but what is interesting to me is, Craig, I look at it, they know that, number one, they know the position the Oilers are in and how difficult it's going to be to climb back in and try to get a playoff spot. That's number one. And they also know, number two, that the team actually has played pretty well in stretches. They just don't have the horses. Well, they don't have the horses. But I will say, listening and, again, watching last night, uh, you know, getting outshot at one point, 26 to 12 uh, on home ice halfway through the second period again. You know, I listened to even Ryan Nugent Hopkins' comments, I think, just prior on uh, what I was listening to the show about, you know, I thought we worked pretty hard. I've been saying this, Bob, I don't know how long I've been doing this for with you but it's been long enough and uh you know i've said for years the the notion that this somehow is a skilled team is just completely false and i think that it's really important i I read something again today you know saying the coyotes have to play a hard-working game to be in the game well duh like that's what the Oilers have to be and they just will not for some reason come to that mentality that that's all they are if they're going to win a hockey game they have to be the harder working team they have to be you know diligent and everything they have to outwork every shift their opponent and you can't think that you're a skilled team you got three skilled players and um right now i i just think that that's been something that's really bothered me with this group for 10 12 years you know saying oh this is a skilled fast team they're not and until you start playing like the Arizona Coyotes that are afraid to lose, so everybody works hard, they put in a shift, they go to work, and, you know, you don't try to play your way into the game, as I heard uh, Hitchcock saying again. You know, that's the reality. This is a team that scored eight goals in the last five games, and six of them have come from two players. You know, that's not a skilled hockey team. That's not a team that's going to throw out there. Tampa's a skilled hockey team. Toronto, Boston, you know, those are skilled teams. And I, I think that has to somehow seep into the mentality of this group. And uh, I'm sure it's it's a difficult balance as a coach to say, guys, you guys aren't good enough. <laughs> You're not skilled enough. But it has to be a mentality that goes, you got to be scared to lose every night by getting outworked. And let's face it, getting outshot by Arizona in your own building in the course of, you know, in the last 
what, 25 games. They've had six-game losing streak, six-game losing streak, and they're in the midst of a five-game losing streak. You know, what, what more impetus do you have to have as a group to say we're not a skilled team that can just go out there and play? we got to be afraid, and I've said this 15 times in the last 15 weeks, is you got to be afraid that you're not going to have a job next year. And yeah. I'm sorry, but I, I just don't see it enough on a on a desperation scale on a regular basis. Craig Simpson joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Starford with you in Oilers now. It's 1241 in Edmonton. All right, Craig, I want you to tell us the truth here on this. This is a tough question, okay? Because I have an idea. But how much input, when you were on the Oilers coaching staff, did you have? Because I, I know Kevin Lowe respected uh, Mac T and you. How much input did you guys have as coaches when it came to – was there ever discussions on potential personnel decisions? On making trades, per se? Or, yeah, not, not, or not stylistically so I mean, the type of team you wanted to have or maybe what you needed to do in terms of improving the team? I think you always do that at the – you know, during the summer, that was a role, the only role that really the assistant coaches or coaches had with the management group and the scouts and – you know, to sort of give our feeling of, I remember one of the biggest discussions we had was trying to define hockey sense and, you know, character of guys. And what does that mean? How do you put a measurable component to that, to the kind of players that we felt as as coaches that we didn't have or needed or wanted? And, you know, I, I think you had a lot of those discussions in the off season and during those meetings. Uh, during the year, you're always evaluating your team on where they're at, the players on the development curve, you know, who's making strides and understanding the game better and thinking the game and playing with that, you know, desperation and intensity. So you, you have discussions, but no, I, I mean, I don't know how much the head coach was talking to the general manager as specifics on players, but I think the job of you as coaching staff is to try to maximize the assets you have, uh, understand what maybe you're missing, and you can you can relay that in conversations with the with the general manager. But, you know, your role is the guys that you have in your room, and you got to try to do every day to try to push them up the mountain a little bit and get them to the next step. So, but there, that, are, there, the there are conversations during the court. Hey, what if we claim this guy? What, what do you guys, what do you got? What do you guys hear on this guy? Like those, oh, I, I think, I think it would be with something like that. Absolutely. You got to go to all your scouts that have seen them. If, if there is an opportunity, I don't think there's any question you have a consensus of, what people's opinion are on on certain players, for sure. I know for a fact that the coach has expressed to Peter Shirelli uh, in the 2016, 17, uh, 2016, and again in the spring and summer of 2017, you know, we are big and heavy, but we're going to have to make sure we have uh, quickness and skill as well. I just, you know, I, I'll, yeah. I'll share a story. I don't know if you know Chris McFarland. He's the assistant general manager in Colorado. But during the 16-17 season, Colorado was horrendous. Okay? Mm-hmm. They were awful. You did some of their – they were slow. Uh, Brendan, can you pull up McKinnon's numbers from uh, – McKinnon and Rantanen's numbers from 2016-17 for me? Just uh, let me know when you got it. I mean, they, 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 they basically replaced about half the guys off their roster. from that. Yeah. And I remember – Chris, looked, we were in Nashville, 
before the game, and this is during the stretch where the Oilers never beat Nashville. They finally beat them this year with Koskinen's first start. And Chris said to me, Stoff, I'm letting you know this right now. We're slow. We're really bad. We're worse than you guys ever were. And Chris came from Columbus. We're worse than we ever were in Columbus. But you guys need to have your head on a swivel because you guys are headed yeah. down that path too. Yeah, and we we've talked that right. we we're chasing the wrong end of the curve. You know, yeah. it's like anything where you know you teach players on a wrap around in your own zone. Just don't chase the tail. Go go right. above the head and cut it off. And I I think it's pretty evident, and evident even more so even by the desperation moves this year that. Yeah, you're you're chasing the wrong end. You're you're not cutting above the head and being a, a, out in front of it. They were definitely chasing from behind, and uh, you can see what it does. I, I think we talked about it last week too. Is you know you look at okay, where do you need improvement? You got to look around the league and say you have to have mobility, you have to have some yep. hockey sense, and you got to be able to play the game at a high pace. And you know, I, I just think that's uh, a given right now that every team in the league is really focused on trying to improve in, in all those levels. All right, very quickly, how bad were those numbers for uh, McKinnon and Ratton in that 16-17? This just puts things in perspective for people. Go for it. Yeah, surprisingly. So McKinnon played in all 82 games. He only had 18 goals, 37 assists for 53 points. And Ratton played in 75. He had 20 goals, 18 assists for 38. He was a minus 25. And what was McKinnon minus-wise? Minus 15. They had at least, Craig, eight guys that year that never played again in the NHL. Like, Aginla was with them, and I think they moved him to L.A. at the deadline. And, like, Joel Colbert never played in the NHL again. And, like, they just had Well, that's my point there, Bob, is where I was saying about how do you try to salvage a year like it is now. And I I think we talked, what, uh, three or four weeks ago and looking at the schedule and just saying, you know, if if you legitimately think you can get there, you're going to have to be the team that, went nine two and two you know to start wow. under hitchcock and here you are in what one eight and three you've been in the last uh, right well they don't have well, well they don't have the support scoring that allows them to come at waves of teams and they haven't had enough stops now i will say that i thought that uh Koskinen had a good start the other night um but no i mean and back to your point about guys not having jobs i mean let me ask you this based on the forward units right now the forwards that are here who could you move forward with? So obviously, you know, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins are a given. Who else would, would you have on the team moving forward? Well, I think you got to, you know, you mentioned before that, okay, um, Cassian's finally getting and doing what we keep talking about, which is the ups and downs of, of uh, Zach Cassian is, you know, can you not play that way? 70% of the year as opposed to 20. Uh, you know, that's something you have to look at. I don't see in a in a perfect world, you know, I don't think you're going to be able to do anything with Lucic uh, from a contract-wise. Uh, Jujar Kara is, you know, a serviceable guy, but he probably can't be on anything other than your fourth line. Right. I think you're almost forced to try to do something for Alex Chason, but you've seen him. You know, he is this year what he's been his whole career is, you know, unfortunately for him, he hasn't been able to get over that hump of, uh, you know, having good stretches and then being really disappointed. So he's not a reliable guy. 
I just think you miss those. You know, if you're coaching this team now, uh, you don't have a quote-unquote checking or energy line or anything like that that you can just rely upon to, if they don't score, at least they're giving you some momentum. So, you know, I, I don't think Brodziak is, is a guy that you could have around. Reader, you you know. No, he's, re- he's restricted. He's gone. Like Yeah. You know. Uh, Raddy's a disappointment. As I said before, he had, what, seven goals in four exhibition games. He's got four goals now in, in 38. So, there aren't many uh, candidates, in my opinion. If you, all right. That's where I was Yeah. Put your GM's hat on. If you're a GM, what would you do with Yessa Pogliarvi, Craig? Well, he's one that, you know, I find it interesting. You can almost sense the wave of articles written, and I understood it as a player because I always said it was danger when you had a couple of days off in between games and things weren't going well because you knew there had to be something to talk about. So the most recent is yes i i i put an equal balance on uh you know the the damage being uh, partly how he was handled but i would say look at look at leon dreisaitl you know there was criticism about keeping him up what 39 games or 35 games whatever it was his first year i was one of the ones having been an 18 year old playing center in the national hockey league and I had 11 goals and 28 points as a, as a second overall pick, which is brutal. You know, it's not nearly good enough. But the lessons I learned during that time allowed me to become a way better player. So uh, I, I put a lot of onus on Yeti in terms of not, at this stage of his career, getting the traction. You can argue, okay, he's had a bunch of different coaches. He's had, you know, uh, X, Y, Z as, a, as an excuse to go. But in the end, it comes back to the player. I, I think you have to maintain the asset. I don't think he's an asset that you trade unless there really is a legitimate, you know, good player that is coming back who can really considerably be a top six guy who has some pedigree and some some experience. But I doubt you're going to get that anyway. So yeah. I, I think you got to have an opportunity to, to work with him, but I think the onus is on him. And I, I don't, I don't, uh, for a second, say he's been, you know, handled perfectly by any stretch. But I also say your development is relied upon yourself, and I think he's failed in that regard as well. Do you buy my seventy-five twenty-five split? Craig Simpson joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Seventy-five percent is on the responsibility of the player. Twenty-five percent is on the, you know, the responsibility of the yeah, organization. Yeah, I. I I think there's exceptions to every rule, and there are circumstances that can go against you. You know, I would say that's at least that. Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in, you know, it's way too easy to point the finger at, well, the coach doesn't like me, or I didn't get the chance here, or I didn't this, you know, excuses. Yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I, I'm a firm believer. I was for myself as a player. Uh, as a coach to try to to help players understand that nobody is trying to be against you. Everybody's trying to work with you, but that has to be a two-way street. And so, yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. I I would say it's even higher than 75. I I, I still think there are plenty of guys who have, you know, not got a lot of easy chances or options or, you know, gratuitous ice time who have taken great hold of it and made a career for themselves because they just simply wouldn't fail. 
And uh, that's what I mean. I, I, I think every player and individual and personality handles things like that differently. And, yes, he's had his struggles with that. And the problem now that I see with him, and I think it was laid out in a couple of the articles, is, you know, I, I mentioned to you before, I didn't think when he went down, he went down, didn't go down with the idea that, you know, screw you. I'm going to show you that I deserve right. to be up there. And and that, to me, is what I would want to see as a as a teammate. Even going, okay, you're down here. Let's not let's not tout, let's not play cheat hockey. Let's prove them wrong. And I've told you before, being the second overall pick and having that bad year and watching Wendell Clark, who was first, get 35 goals and be a Calder finalist. You know, that hurts, and there's a drive. And it, you better have a burning desire in your belly to prove everybody wrong. And uh, I haven't seen enough of that from him. Uh, but, you know, he is a young player that hopefully will get over that hurdle. And, uh, I, you know, too often it does happen when you get a change of scenery. And I've said to you before, I think the fans a lot of times go, well, guys go to other teams and have success. Okay, you only remember the ones that have success. You don't remember the ones that don't. But often, you mean they've forgotten about Neil Yakupov going to St. Louis yeah. and washing out yeah, there, and going to Colorado and no, Washington. No, but I mean this in an honest. That, that's that's a that's a fan's perspective that I totally understand. But I also say part of that separation for some players is the only thing that turns them personally around to say, "Oh my God, it's me," and I gotta I gotta be the difference. Uh-huh. And sometimes you. Sometimes you need to make that, you know, be ashamed or get traded or be disappointed. Sometimes you can't yourself get that where you were. You need that, oh, my God, I'm at the crossroads now. And for some players, it might not be once. It might be twice. Uh, You know, you get that final last chance. But I I think that's part of human nature. And the, the challenge for a coaching staff is to try to bring that out of a player when he's still struggling with you. And that can be difficult because, as I said to you before, you, you're you always battling the things that your players don't do well. And too often it's it's easy to covet the things from other players somewhere else until you get them and you realize they have the same shortcomings. So there, I'm not saying it's an easy process, but I would agree with you that the onus is, is primarily on the player. You want yeah. to use, is on the player. And, and it's on your desire as a player. And that's that's, I guess, what I was saying about the, the lackluster efforts and the, you know, struggling at home. Uh, you, as a player on this team, better realize you might not be in the NHL next year. So what does that mean to you? Yeah. And I got, I got 25 games left or whatever it is left to prove that I belong in the NHL. And it might not be in Edmonton, but I guarantee you, if you're on a team that finishes 30th or 29th or 28th, and you can't play there. There aren't a lot of teams who are clamoring to have them. Craig, great stuff. Thanks for your time. All right, Bob. Take care. That's Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers. It's 1255 in Edmonton. This fall, join the president of New West Travel, Dennis Laliberti, on a spectacular 16-day trip to Italy and Greece. It starts with a nine-day tour of Italy, visiting the beautiful cities of Rome, Florence, and Venice with daily guided tours. And then you board NCL Cruise Lines for a spectacular seven-night Greek island cruise, including meals, nightly entertainment, a private sunset dinner, 
parking at the Value Park at the uh, Edmonton International Airport. Book now and save 250 bucks per person. Call New West Travel at 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com. We are off to a uh, global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Back with John Shannon from NHL Hockey and Rogers when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.